Hi, listeners. Welcome to the Grief Out Loud podcast produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children. I'm Janet Christofaro and wanted to give you just a little heads up as you listen to this episode, you'll be hearing references to our old name, which was Dear Ducky. So just so you don't get too confused, you're listening to the right podcast and we look forward to bringing you even more great content under the Grief Out Loud name. Thanks for joining us. Hello from the Dougie Center in Portland, Oregon. I am Brendan Connolly, and welcome to episode 003. Hi, Jenna. Hi, Brendan. Excited for our topic this morning. Yeah, me too. This is going to be a good one. Uh, it gives me a lot to think about. And, you know, not, I think as we've talked in other episodes too, not necessarily because I have uh, a real compelling grief story, uh, but... But the idea of telling, not being dishonest with your kids, telling your kids the honest truth um, and not using euphemisms, that kind of thing, it's good. And it has a lot of applications beyond grief, too. Right. I mean, it's the number one question that we get here when people call us is, you know, someone in their life has died or someone is ill and they want to know, how do I tell my children? What do I talk to them about? And so many... I agree that a lot of our premises, our principles around talking with children about death hold true with talking with kids about all kinds of different uh, events in their lives. Yeah. So just to just to make sure we say it clearly that um, what are we talking about exactly uh, this episode? It's about the story, the, the, the story of what happened, right? Exactly, right. So how do I talk to my children about the fact that someone in their life has died? I mean, that's really what we're focusing on. Uh, What are the words that I use? How do I tell them? Where do I tell them? Um, Why do I want to tell them what I'm telling them? All those different aspects of it. Yeah. So so if, if someone's thinking about talking to their kids about this about about this particular thing about someone who's died maybe or even any difficult thing right i mean uh right is that we advocate that correct yes definitely being honest with kids yeah so what's what's our um what's our what's our suggestion overall well let's start with you know why people struggle so much with this question Um, It may seem so simple to tell kids the truth, but so many of the families who call us, excuse me, you know, their their initial instinct is to protect their children. Something devastating has happened, something uh, painful, something heartbreaking. And so most often the people calling us are also experiencing the grief. Perhaps it was their partner or their spouse or their child or someone else that was really important to them who has died. So they're going through all of their emotional reactions and then they have children in their life and they need to step into that role of helping their kids. And there's that natural urge. I want to protect my kids. I don't want them to know. I don't want to have to, I don't want to have to put this on them. And so we do a lot of talking with families around, you know, starting there, just validating that and recognizing it's really scary and hard to talk to kids about challenging things. And here's all the reasons why it's really important to do so. Yeah. Um, you know, and all the years that I've been here, the 13 years I've been here, and I know even longer before I got here, we've had so many kids come to groups and talk about 
being upset or angry or frustrated that they don't know the truth or how the truth was communicated to them. But I've never had a child say, you know, I'm really glad they didn't tell me. I'm really glad they lied to me and kept something from me. Right, right. This, you know, this is trite and not as um, important, I think, as the specific topic we're talking about. But it makes me think about my own kids who are 10 and and 13 uh, and telling them about Santa Claus, you know, (laughs) really, I mean, and, you know, so in in all honesty, we we let them think there is some there's Santa Claus for a while. And our youngest, actually, who's 10, um, we told him this year that there's no Santa Claus. He had some, you know, he had uh, inkling, certainly, because, you know, you hear stuff on the playground or whatever. But I actually felt uh, I felt awkward about that oddly awkward about telling him the truth about Santa Claus because he you know he loved that mythology so much and it was so joyful to him to think about that you know to take that away yeah to take that away made me feel make me feel weird and then and then you know surprisingly the things that cascade out of that you know the Easter Bunny and the Tooth Fairy all those questions pop up and you know he had some inklings about Santa Claus who wasn't as this bubble didn't get popped quite the way I thought it would, but you know, you could kind of see his face fall a little bit as, as we knocked down the dominoes and realized no tooth fairy, no Easter bunny. And then when we got to leprechauns, uh, <laughs> that was the worst that there was no leprechauns because that was the one that was the hardest. Yeah, for the St. Patrick's Day at our house is uh, pretty awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. So I know. Well, yeah. it's, it's interesting because as you're talking about that, I'm thinking that many of the kids who are, you know, the mythology of Easter Bunny and Santa Claus and other icons of that, that sort of mythological world, depending on what culture people um, are from and the beliefs that they have in their family. Yeah. But it's it can be a very universal experience for children. You know, they yeah. go to school and there's lots of kids talking about whatever Santa Claus Claus or the Easter Bunny and then some kids know and some kids don't but when a child's had someone die oftentimes it's such a unique experience um, can be so isolating and so for them to have that foundation in their family of having the truth of knowing what happened um, it, it can help them so much to process the emotions and the thoughts and the changes in their life without having to spend a lot of time trying to figure out what happened uh, for a child who, you know, daddy's not there for breakfast, daddy's not there for dinner, but no one's really explained to him what happened, they can be very confusing and can create a lot of fear uh, and uncertainty and just more confusion for kids. Yeah, and I think uh, also, tell me what you think about this, but the human tendency is, I mean, our, our brains just fill in the blanks if we don't exactly. know stuff. And that happens as an adult. It's not limited to kids. You know, if you don't, if you don't know stuff, you build your own in, in your head narrative about it. And then, you know, that goes all long enough. You start to believe it and it becomes reality, your reality, at least, you know. Um, and so that's a tough, that would be a tough thing to undo. Exactly. And in, in the case of children, oftentimes if, if people are telling them part of the truth or they're not being very clear with them about what happened, 
they can fill in those blanks. They can make up a story that may be close to the truth or maybe far from the truth. But a lot of a common element in that filling in the blanks is they aren't telling me because it must have been something I've done. So then we've got a child who's confused and uncertain and then also feeling like it must be their fault and so much uh, additional guilt and other challenging emotions can be layered on top of the fact that the person that they love is no longer there. So parents and families can go a long way by giving kids the honest information so that they can minimize those places where kids are going to think it's their fault. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you can, well, I guess you can really start to build some, some wild scenarios if you're a kid and go, well, I ate Captain Crunch, you know, the day my dad died. So I'm not going to eat Captain Crunch anymore because I love my family and I don't want anyone else to die. You know, that kind of thing. Right. Right, like kids can come up with all sorts of yeah. um, safeguards yeah. that they put in place because they don't, you know, they don't understand the cause and effect relationship. Yeah. And, you know, there's a big difference between, I feel really sad because the last conversation I had with my mom, um, you know, I wasn't very nice to her. I was 13 and I slammed out of the car and I, you know, said, see you later. And I didn't answer her when she said I loved me. Yeah. She loved me and then she died. Yeah. So there's like the processing of, of that and versus a child who thinks, well, because I was late to school and I made my dad really stressed out, that's why he had a heart attack and died. Yeah. This this reminds me of uh, a seminar I went to. My my, my kids, um, we, we're an adoptive family, and so we went to a seminar about that stuff, and the, the presenter was talking about her experience as an adopted child, and having this one photograph that she really clung to for a long time. And it was of her as a young girl, three or four or five years old, holding on to a woman's leg, stocking the leg. You can see a skirt in the picture. And in her mind, no one ever told her different, but in her mind, that was her birth mom. But, but it, of course, it wasn't. She was abandoned as an infant. And so that was, you know, likely a nun or somebody in the orphanage. And she didn't learn that until she was a young adult, just having a casual conversation with her mom about uh, that photo. And and her mom said, you know, that's it's not your birth mom. It's someone else in the orphanage. And this whole narrative that she had made in her mind around that photo just came unraveled, you know? Right, like the filter she had had of processing so many things through that idea of that photo yeah. suddenly was taken away. Yeah. And in that case, you know, there's two different things happening oftentimes for families. There's uh, times when information is purposely withheld from children, uh, whether people are afraid that kids can't understand or it'll be too damaging for them or the parents themselves or the adults themselves are embarrassed or ashamed of the story, don't know the words to talk about it. So there's the purposely withholding information. And then there's just the, the things that we don't ask kids what they have questions about. And then they make up their own stories. And so, you know, really advocating for families to continue to check in with kids. Like, do you have questions? Have you been thinking about, you know, dad's death? Is there anything about that that you'd really like to know? And it's a question I ask the kids in group a lot of, you know, what what don't you know about the death that you really want to know? And oftentimes there's more the existential questions of, you know, why does people, do people die? Why do people get cancer? Why did this have to happen to me? But sometimes there's really specific things. And a story that sticks with me from many years ago is this, um, this child, she was about, I think she was about eight and her, uh, her mom had died 
in a car crash. And she knew a lot of the details about where the crash happened and what time it was. And she said, you know, the one thing I really wish I knew was the name of the person driving the car who hit my mom. And I said, oh, how, you know, how would that help you to know that? And she said, well, I just think about it all the time. And if I just knew that name, then I could stop thinking about it. And I'd have way more space in my brain to do my English homework. Oh, wow. And so something so specific. And so it might be a detail we wouldn't think to tell kids. And not all kids want that. But asking kids, what information do you need so that they don't have to use up their brain space uh, wondering about things? Yeah, man. What about... What about tough, tougher stories to talk, at least culturally, tougher stories uh, like around suicide or murder, uh, sometimes surviving spouses or parents or siblings have a hard time talking about that. And I, I think a lot, of, a lot of new different narratives come into play there, right? So do we, do we tell kids something less difficult or what do you, what, what do, what do you say about that? Right. No, and that's, you know, after the question of how do I talk to my children is oftentimes, you know, I talk to my family, I talk to my pastor, I talk to people in the community, and they all said, don't tell, you know, don't tell him that his dad died by suicide. Mm. Don't tell him that his mom was murdered. And it goes back to our foundation of we want to tell kids the truth so that they have the honest information so that then they don't have to spend a lot of time wondering what happened. And also going back to the idea that kids oftentimes know even when we think they don't know. So I don't know if you've ever had a situation with your kids at home when they're pretty tuned into the emotional temperature of what's happening. So when parents are trying to fake it, you know, like, oh, everything's fine, everything's fine. Yep. Kids are usually picking up and they have back channels to get information. Yep. They're listening in on phone conversations. They're tracking mom's uh, facial expressions. They're talking to the other kids. Maybe there's some cousins or, you know, oftentimes the story gets pretty public. And so other kids might know before this child knows. And so we go back to that foundation of it's better for them to hear it at home so they can get the real story. Yeah. And with those types of deaths where, you know, the parents or the adults might be sorting through their own emotional reactions of having judgment or shame or guilt about what happened, it can be helpful for parents to really check in for themselves. Like, what's happening here? Am I not wanting to tell my child because I'm worried it will harm him? Maybe. And also, is it because it's just really hard for me to, to accept the fact that I was married to someone who, you know, was using drugs and overdosed and I didn't know? Or, you know, I'm worried what people are going to think about my family. Yeah. So a lot of times it can be helpful if, if an adult can go to a child and say, here's the story of what happened and share it without the shame, without the... The, the negative judgment in that way. It gives kids a great foundation for when they go out in the world and they may encounter some of that judgment in the world to have a place to say no i don't have to be ashamed of my story my mom's not ashamed so i don't have to be ashamed either yeah and we i've heard you and others well before i go before i say more about that let me just point out we, we are running a little short on time here so we'll we'll whip through the remainders that we have but i should say that um do you have a caller or something hitting your microphone I don't think so. Okay. Let me move that there. Is that better? Yeah, you, we just keep hearing um, staticky stuff, like something's rubbing up against it or something. Um, so we we have a few more things we want to run through here, and we're we're at about fifteen minutes, and we want to keep these these podcasts kind of tight and and um, easy to listen to. What else do you want to say about about this, Jenna? 
Well, I was thinking still about the idea of when we don't tell kids uh, the honest truth about what happened. If the kids find out, but they haven't heard it from the adults in their life, they may sometimes think that the adult doesn't actually know. And so then they move into this place of protecting. You know, there was a, there was a young, uh, young kid who was at our group who his dad had died by suicide, but his mom had told him it was an accident. So when we were sharing in group, he said, you know, my dad died by suicide, but make sure you don't tell my mom because she still thinks it's a car accident. Yeah. So then he's there having to protect her when, you know, it's like closes off the opportunity for her to be able to support him in that. Yeah, that is, isn't that something? I, I have heard stories like that from all of our program staff, and it always, um, it just really strikes me, you know, that the everyone's trying to take care of each other, you know, and we're, we're trying to do it the best we can. And uh, sometimes our best intentions don't have the outcomes that we want. Right. And it does come from that place of protection, yeah. wanting to make it better for kids when oftentimes being honest is the best place to start. And, you know, it takes so much energy to keep a secret. Yep. It takes so much energy. And when I talk with parents who are grieving to say, you know, how exhausting is the grief itself? Yeah. And then here you are with limited energy. What can we do to help you conserve as much as possible? Yeah. How how much freer would you feel if you didn't have to keep track of who knows and who doesn't know and what your child's overheard or not overheard? Mm-hmm. So I, I go back to that conservation of energy. How can we how can we help you hold on to as much of it as possible and decrease the places where it's getting used up? Yeah. You have said on this conversation a number of times you you've always say dead or died and you never say I haven't heard you say passed away or deanimated or anything like that um what's what's up with that what's the deal with saying the d word Uh, so for me personally it's you know i want to communicate to the kids and the teens that i'm talking to that i'm not afraid of the fact that they had someone die Mm -hmm. and i'm not afraid of their reactions as a way to demonstrate that you know they don't have to be afraid as well and so that's more of a principle uh, approach. But when we're talking about especially younger kids, you know, what are some of the euphemisms that you grew up hearing about how someone dies when someone dies? Oh, yeah. Well, my, my, I remember my grandparents always talking about um, passed on. That was their, that was their way of saying it, you know, talk about my uncles. And that, that confused me for a long time as a little kid, like passed on. What? Where did he go past to? Yeah. Did he pass in the lane of traffic? Right. I, I always had to stop and think hard about that. And then, you know, you put it in, you start hearing more and then you put it into context. Okay, well, they're not around. They're dead now, but we don't say dead, you know. Yeah, that was. So we've got passed away. We've got people saying, you know, we lost grandpa. Um, He's just gone. Uh, He expired. Yep kick the bucket. Uh, one time I was doing a training and someone shared with me that when they were younger, they were told that their their grandfather took the big canoe to the other side, <laughs> which was very confusing because I think he was only six or seven. Oh. So he couldn't figure out what that meant. Yeah. And, you know, so there's the immediate confusion of like, what does that mean? Passed away, expired. And then the questions, well, like if we lost him, can we just go find him? Because we lost my teddy bear. We found him. Yeah. So maybe we could find grandpa. Yeah. So that can create this sort of searching piece going on. So you've got your confusion. And then you, you know, you also have that idea of kids are very concrete. So when you say to them, somebody went night, night, or they uh, kicked the bucket, went to heaven, went to heaven, it can, which for a family, if that's their spiritual belief, yeah. 
totally part of the conversation. And we also need to fill in the blanks about what does it mean when somebody actually dies about their body not working. Because yeah. for some kids, you know, I have families who call and say, you know, my child's not sleeping very well. And we come to find out it's because they told them that grandma went night-night. And so now this child's thinking night-night means you don't see anybody ever yeah. again. And they get anxious around that. So again, we're always looking like, how can we decrease kids' anxiety based on their confusion? Well, I think I, think I remember my, uh, might have been my sister, you know, when we were when we were young and some relative had died and um, and we heard that, that they went to heaven. And, you know, we wanted, we as kids wanted to go to heaven to see them, you know, but but the adults reacted real strangely when we said that, <laughs> you know. Right, because you're saying, well, that's where he is. I'd like to go there too. Yeah, but the adults here, you want to die, you know, mm-hmm. and that's not what you want. You just want to go see the person, you know. Right, so it can be helpful when, when we're talking with kids to be very clear about what, what that means. Yeah. They can talk about heaven and then based on what they're, if that's something the family believes in, yeah. to make sure that's a distinguishing part about how you, you can't just go there right. <laughs> or however that works for them. Right. And so we, we focus a lot on using really body-centered language, uh, particularly with younger kids, depending on how old children are, but really focusing on what does it mean when somebody dies, you know, that their body stops working, their heart's not beating anymore, they won't eat anymore, they won't sleep anymore, we won't get to see them anymore, but we will have pictures of them and we can talk about memories of them. And that can be a great place to start, particularly for younger kids who don't, who maybe have never had a pet or another person in their life die. And then to also be very specific, if the person had an illness, to name that illness. So rather than say, you know, mommy got really sick and she died, you may say mommy got really sick, but she got sick with something called cancer, which is very different than having a cold or a flu. And that it was something that doctors weren't able to fix. Sometimes they can, and this time they weren't able to. Yeah, That can help the child. So the next time he gets sick or dad gets sick or sister gets sick with a cold or a flu, it can help to remember, oh yeah, this is different. So naming the thing, dad had a heart attack, his heart stopped working, the doctors couldn't fix it. Exactly. Someone hit him with their car and it was an accident. He was crossing the street and the car hit him. And and so we start with these really kind of simple, short explanations using language that's accurate. And then to say, do you have questions about what I've just told you? Do you have questions about what happened? I might not know all the answers, but I'll answer what I can. And also to follow up with, it's okay if you don't have questions right now, but if you have them later, please come ask me. It's okay. Because sometimes kids think the moment where they're told about the deaths is the only time they can ask questions. Yeah. Yeah. That it's not a, not an okay topic for other times, other times when we're not necessarily talking about it specifically. Right. Yeah. And especially kids who are concerned about... Um, making the adults in their life feel bad. And so I'll have some kids who will say, you know, I don't like to bring it up because, you know, the mom gets upset. And so as a parent, you can sort of preemptively say, hey, you know, you can always ask me questions. And, you know, I might cry, but it's not your fault. Like, you're not making me upset. I just really miss dad, too. And it's okay. Those tears are okay. Yeah. So I'm going to wrap us up here because we're we're right about at our at our self-imposed limit. Um, but we talked about you fill in what what I if I miss anything here. But I think we talked about telling the truth. We talked about using really age appropriate concrete language, and allowing for questions both at at the time that we're talking about it and making sure that there's space and and willingness to field those questions down the road, days later, months later. 
over time, right? Yeah. And then the other thing we didn't mention that's part of this is, with especially with younger children, to be prepared. You might have to tell the story many times. Yeah. As kids will say, okay, daddy died, so is he coming home for dinner? Yep. And then adults can think, oh, I did a bad job. And it's not that you did a bad job. It's just kids, especially younger kids, don't quite have that capacity for getting um, the permanence of things. And so you may have to tell the story again and again, which for adults can be very painful yeah um, kids love so stories to, too though you know even if it's a, mm-hmm. i think even if it's a hard story they love being talked to and told the story you know i don't know i think that's probably how we learn about the world you know right and then it, it creates this environment where it's comfortable and safe and kids know that you as the adult are a safe person to go to yeah so as things come up they may have questions about the death they may have questions about the person who died they may have questions about what it means for their life but they know that they can come to you and you're going to give them the honest information we've got some pretty specific resources available for this kind of stuff too right Correct. We've got some, um, some t- we have a tip sheet, a new tip sheet out that's specifically on how to support grieving preschoolers. Yeah. And there's a lot of this information about how to talk with them. And then there's also our series of guidebooks that have um, tangible examples of, you know, what do I say when my child asks me this question? Yep. yep. And those tip sheets are free. We'll link to those resources in the show notes. Uh, we'll we'll talk and we'll kind of wrap up what we said here today in the show notes. And we'll also link to... Uh, the tip sheets that we have available, those are free PDFs. They're free to download at any time. And then we do have some of the guidebooks and, and brochures uh, available for purchase through the the uh, bookstore website as well. So we'll put all that stuff up on the show notes. Anything else, Jenna? No, I think that covers it. Cool. Well, hey, good talking to you today. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah, thank you, Brendan. Right, see you later. Bye. Thanks for listening.